and take your Bibles and turn to page or page. We're done singing hymns. First Samuel chapter twenty-eight. First Samuel chapter twenty-eight. Now I hope y'all don't think I'm weird for this or think I'm a heathen or anything like that. But we're going to look at a scary story tonight. It's like you know, by the time you celebrating Halloween, no, I don't celebrate Halloween. But I'm not necessarily scared of it, you know. Um, I don't. You know, while I believe in, you know, I believe in demonic activity and I believe in all that stuff that goes on, I'm not really scared of it. It's not something we really need to worry about until we're messing with it. We start messing with it, then you better get scared real fast. Even if you are a Christian, I'd get real scared. In fact, uh, that's the way we ought to be when it comes to any sin. Uh, if we start getting involved in it as a child of God, we need to act. We ought to feel just like a child who is disobeying their parents, and know that if their parents find out what they're doing, they're going to be in big trouble. And you know how they're just, you remember when you were a kid, or you remember with your kids how you've seen it before, where they were doing something they weren't supposed to, and all of a sudden they see you and they get scared to death because they know punishment's coming. And uh, and the truth is, when we get involved in sin, that can happen. And uh, so that, I'm not I'm not scared of Halloween. I don't think the that the witches and stuff are going to be more powerful uh, than me that you know, that night and going to be able to cast spells on me or anything like that. But let me tell you though, there is some creepy creepy stuff out there. And I was reading this passage of scripture in First Samuel twenty eight, and it's it's kind of it's kind of a scary story when we stop and think about it. And what I want to talk about tonight, though, is why people are so easily deceived. I mean, it's amazing. You know, we here at Liberty Baptist Church, you know, we're we're Bible believers. I mean, we are, you know, King James Bible believing people, and we know we know that this is true. This Bible is true. It's not man's words, it's not feelings, emotions, opinions. The scripture is truth. We know that. And for us who have that in our minds, and especially if you believe that for a long time, if you're somebody like me that you grew up being taught that the Bible is the final authority, it's the Word of God, a lot of times when we see other people that are following all these goofy things, that just believe anything. I mean, they, they read it on the internet. It's got to be true. They heard it on the news. It's got to be true. I mean, they just feel that way. It's got to be true. We look at that and think, how foolish can that be? But you know, people do. They go to crazy things. I, was, I think about Nostradamus. I mean, all the time, something will happen and people will refer to some really vague prophecy that Nostradamus did. And you'll hear it and people will get just freaked out by How did he know? How could he have known that? And then somebody else all they have to do is say, you know, Nostradamus said that something was going to happen, you know, in the year 2015 or something. And they'll start panicking and think, man, you know, Nostradamus said it. It's got to happen. Even though he's been wrong, you know, more than he's been right, and even when he is supposedly right, it could be interpreted a bunch of different ways. But people will believe that. I mean, you know, the Mayan calendar supposedly ended on 2012. Therefore, that must mean that's the end of the world. And people thought, it's going to be the end of the world just because of some Mayan prophecy. And it's like, why would they believe that? Why do people so quickly accept such crazy things? And we see in this story here in the Bible we're going to look at, 
An example of somebody who was seeking for answers. He was seeking for truth and went the last place in the world that you would want to go to find truth. And I think as we look at what was going on in his life, we can see why he chose this person. And it's the same reason people seem to want to listen to anything but the Bible. I still scratch my head and I can't figure out how Jehovah's Witnesses can fill their churches up and get all those people to go out and knock doors more than we can. I don't get it. I mean, I've, I've seen what they believe. I've looked at some of their Watchtower magazines and even read some of their Bibles and things and I've talked to some of them and I don't get how they get anybody to do that. I mean, they're not even allowed to celebrate their birthday. I mean, my kids right there, I'd lose them, I'd lose them on that one right there. There's no way I'd get my kids to follow me on that one. No Christmas. You know, that would, that would, that would end it for a lot of people and not, I mean, those are the good things. <laughs> the best things about them. And so why do people follow things so easily? But let's go to, and before we answer those questions, we're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 28. And we're going to look at a pretty scary story, if you stop and think about it. In 1 Samuel 28, verse 5, it says, And Saul saw the host of the Philistines. He was afraid, and his heart greatly trembled. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams nor by Urim or by prophets. Then Saul, then said Saul unto his servants, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said unto him, Behold, there is a woman that hath a familiar spirit at Endor. This woman, she was what maybe some would call a fortune teller, or uh, you know, or a witch, or. Uh, I, don't think, I guess they got a clairvoyant or whatever you know the fancy names are they have for them nowadays, and because God wasn't speaking to him, and we're going to get a little more into why God wasn't speaking to him. But Saul had rebelled against God years before. He had uh, he never got it right. He never repented, and God quit speaking to him. God quit communicating with Saul, and Saul is in a situation now where he needs answers. You know, the world's looking for answers right now. They, they, they just want answers. And a lot of times, I don't even know if they care that it's truth. They just want answers. Somebody give them an answer because they haven't got a clue. And so Saul said, let's go to this witch. Let's go to this... He said, find me something that has the familiar spirit. And then it says in verse 8, and Saul disguised himself and put on other raiment. And he went, and two men with him, and they came to the woman by night, and he said, I pray thee, divine unto me by the familiar spirit, and bring me him up, whom I shall name unto thee. Saul knew what he was doing was wrong. That's why he went to her at night. That's why he put on a disguise. The king of Israel, a nation that worshipped God, was going to a witch. That the Bible said in the Old Testament law, thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. And they weren't supposed to be in that area. And so they find her, and he goes there by night, and he tells them, I want you, whoever I name, I want you to call them up. You know, sadly, people, they still do things similar to this, and I do think it's a little different today than it was back then. And I'll tell you why in a minute, but it says, And the woman said unto him, Behold, thou knowest what Saul hath done, how he hath cut off those that have familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. Wherefore then layest thou a snare for my life to cause me to die? Saul himself, you know, when he was right with God, he made a good law. 
No, no witches, no wizards, none with familiar spirits. They're not supposed to be here. He's like, this is the trap. If I, if I did this for you, I could be put to death. And Saul swore to her. She didn't know this was Saul. By the Lord saying, As the Lord liveth, there shall no punishment happen to thee for this thing. Then said the woman, Whom shall I bring up unto thee? And he said, Bring me up Samuel. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice, and the woman spake to Saul, saying, Why hast thou deceived me? For thou art Saul. Notice here, so I'm not trying to get too creepy tonight, but this is in the Bible, okay? I know this is going to sound kind of like a horror movie. But this woman, it says that she saw Saul. It never says that, or no, she not saw, she saw Saul. She saw Samuel. It never says that Samuel, Saul saw Samuel. That's a lot of S names and a lot of S's there. That's tough to say. Alright? It never says that Saul saw Samuel, but it says that she saw Samuel. Man, that is this is tough talking here tonight. I got myself in trouble with this. It was a lot easier thinking about it than saying it. And so, um, I don't know how it happened, but once that happened and she sees Samuel, I don't know if Samuel said something to her or what, but she realized that it was Saul that was there. And obviously, it scared her. So she cried with a loud voice because she's thinking, I'm in trouble now. Uh, the king is here, the one who made a law that I'm not supposed to be here, and here I am breaking the law in front of a king. It's just like when you find yourself breaking the law in front of a police officer. That's pretty scary. And, and uh, you're, you're speeding or something. But it says in verse 13, uh, And the king said unto her, Be not afraid, for what sawest thou? See, he doesn't see it. And the woman said unto Saul, I saw gods ascending out of the earth. I don't believe she actually saw gods. I don't think she totally understood. I believe she saw, uh, you know, the spirits of the Old Testament saints that to her would maybe have appeared as gods. Maybe she saw uh, angels. I don't know exactly what. And he said unto her, "What form is he of?" And she said, "An old man cometh up, and he is covered with a mantle." And Saul perceived that it was Samuel. And he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed himself. And Samuel said to Saul, Why hast thou disquieted me to bring me up? And Saul answered, I am sore distressed, for the Philistines make war against me, and God has departed from me, and answereth me no more, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore I have called thee, that thou mayest make known unto me what I shall do. I personally believe what was happening here is Samuel's talking through this woman. Here all of a sudden she's speaking with another voice, with the voice of Samuel. And she is, uh, it's actually Samuel that's communicating with Saul. Some of that stuff that people do is real. And it's wrong. It's bad stuff. You do not want to mess with it one bit. And I personally believe that they, that, you know, back then it worked for calling up Samuel because back then, remember, where were they before Jesus died on the cross? Well, they were in the heart of the earth. They were there in paradise. And we know they're not there anymore. Now they're in heaven. I don't believe that you could call up or call down somebody that's in heaven. And I personally don't even believe that you can call up somebody necessarily from hell. But I do think you could call up a familiar spirit or maybe a demon who probably knows 
you or your family member just as well as you do, if not better. And they know exactly what to say to convince you they are who you are. They, they know all those little things and they do it to deceive. And it will, I'm telling you, that, that kind of thing, you don't want to mess with it with a 10 foot pole. It will get you in so much trouble so fast. And it happened here with, and so, uh, Saul got what he wanted. He got to talk to Samuel, but listen to what he finds out. And Samuel said to Saul, I read that verse. Verse 16, Then said Samuel, Wherefore then dost thou ask of me, saying, The Lord is departed from thee, and is become thine enemy. And the Lord hath done to him as he spake by me, for the Lord hath rent the kingdom out of thine hand, and given it to thy neighbor, even to David. What is happening here with Saul is exactly what Samuel had originally told him. Remember when uh, Samuel told Saul, that the kingdom was going to be taken and given to another, and Samuel or Saul grabbed hold of Samuel and his mantle rent, and he said, "So hath the kingdom been rent from thee, and given to thy neighbor." Samuel here really doesn't tell Saul anything new up until this next verse. It says, "Because thou obeyest not the voice of the Lord, nor executest His fierce wrath upon Amalek, therefore hath the Lord done this thing unto thee this day." Moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel with thee into the hands of the Philistines, and tomorrow shalt thou and thy sons be with me. The Lord also shall deliver the host of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. Then Saul fell straightway all along on the earth and was sore afraid because of the words of Samuel, and there was no strength in him, for he had eaten no bread all that day or all that night." I mean, can you imagine sitting there and you're already, you already know you're in trouble. You're already nervous because you're going and talking to a witch. And here all of a sudden, she starts talking with the voice of somebody that you knew. And he tells you, I mean, think about Samuel and the voice of this woman. I'm guessing she was probably ugly. I guess that's just the way we usually picture witches. But she says in a man's voice, tomorrow you and your sons are going to be with me. That's pretty scary right there. That's not really what you wanted to hear. And of course, Saul, he was already weak because he hadn't eaten. He'd been fasting. And Saul was desperate at this moment. And that's why he went to this woman. He was desperate for answers and he wasn't getting anything. He prayed. He was praying the Lord reveal something by dreams. There was, or there's just somehow he would communicate with them. He wanted to know. And listen, there's people that are out there today that they want answers. That they're looking for something. I mean, they will do just about anything to get an answer except go to this book. Except look at this Bible. And why is that? We know that this is, this is truth. That this is where the answer is at. Why will people bend over backwards and do crazy things to get answers when it never works for anybody? It does not work. And yet, people do it over and over again. But the first reason people go to some of these crazy extremes is one, like with Saul here, they're not hearing from God. Listen, there's people out there that do. They pray regular. I believe I believe they do. That when people go through hard times, it's pretty normal to pray. It's pretty normal to call on God. But God is not answering them. God's not giving, God's not telling them anything. And the truth is, God doesn't speak to us with an audible voice. 
like he did with some of the people in the Old Testament. He doesn't do that. And there's people that are out there praying. They're just as lost as can be. They don't have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of them, but they're praying and they're looking for answers for maybe their financial situation. They're looking for answers for their marriage problems. They're looking for uh, you know guidance on maybe what, on career choices and things they ought to make. And God's not telling them anything. I think why is that? You know why wouldn't God speak to them? Listen, I I wouldn't I wouldn't even tell somebody, some lost person that's looking for guidance to pray necessary to God about it that He would give them an answer because He's not going to because before God's going to and speak to somebody, you know, God's going to He's going to look at the more important things first, and many, the reason many people aren't hearing from God is they don't realize they have a sin problem. Saul should have understood that, you know what, I know why God's not talking to me. When was the last time He spoke to me? Well, it was when He told me to go, I believe it was Ai, that He was supposed to utterly destroy. I forgot. can't think of the city. And I didn't do it. I didn't follow God's last command He gave me. I probably should repent of that. I should probably go maybe get that thing right. I ought to beg God for forgiveness. We never see that with Saul. We kind of see when Samuel first confronted him with it, how he kind of acted sorry, but he he never really was. Uh, Many times people, they talk about, they compare David's sin with Saul's. David's sin seems much greater than Saul's, but the difference was David repented of his sin. David admitted that what he did was wrong and he begged God for forgiveness and God gave it. God's willing to forgive And many people that are out there today, they don't realize that they have a sin problem. They don't believe that they're sinners. When they're calling on God for answers, they call with this attitude of, Lord, I deserve better. You know, Lord, I don't deserve to be in this mess I'm in. Lord, get me out of this situation that my sin has gotten me into. They don't realize they have a sin problem. And Saul is the same way. The Lord's not answering him by anything. And he doesn't realize it's because of his sin problem. As soon as Samuel comes up, Samuel points out that. Hey, remember that last command you got from God? You remember the last time God spoke to you? You didn't listen. And the truth is, I personally believe that the Holy Spirit speaks to the heart of every man. He's that light that lighteth every man that cometh into this world. And I believe that if people aren't going to listen to the first command, why is God going to give them the second command? Why is God going to tell them what to do next? The most important thing people can do in their life is make sure their soul is saved and secured. And God speaks to people about that. And they reject it. They continue living in their sins. They're not willing to repent. They're not willing to call on the name of the Lord. And therefore, they continue to go on and they wonder why God's not speaking to them. What they need to do is they need to go back and listen to that first thing that the Holy Spirit told them. And they need to get saved. That's the first thing people need to do. Before you can ever really counsel with somebody, maybe because of their marriage problems or any problems, the first thing you have to do is talk to them about their soul. If they haven't been saved, they're not, the rest of those things, it's just, it's not gonna matter. It's not gonna work. They've gotta get that taken care of. And many of these, they're just not willing to repent. Saul wasn't willing to repent. And notice in verse 16, it says, Then said Samuel, Wherefore then dost thou ask of me, seeing the Lord is departed from thee and is become thine enemy? 
And the Lord hath done to him as he spake by me. For the Lord hath rent the kingdom out of thy hand and given it to thy neighbor, even to David, because thou obeyest not the voice of the Lord, nor executed his fierce wrath upon Amalek. That was the time. Therefore hath the Lord done this thing unto thee this day. And even again, Saul doesn't say, man, I was wrong on that. Saul was he was stubborn. Remember Samuel had told him when he confronted him with that? And he said, uh, for rebellion as is the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness as iniquity and idolatry. And that was Saul. He, even at this point, when he's so desperate, he's going to a witch, he finds out he's going to die the next day, he still doesn't admit that he was wrong. And I tell you, there's people out there, the reason they're going to some of these goofy religions... The reason they're, I mean, reading some of these stupid books, following these goofball churches, is because they are not willing to repent. They're not going to admit they're a sinner. They're not going to admit that they deserve to go to hell. And therefore, why should God speak to them? Why should God help them with all these other things when they're not willing to take care of the most important thing? Why should God give them? the second and third orders when they're not willing to follow the first one. And I believe that was the reason Saul was in this position. He wasn't hearing anything from God. He said that's why he was there. And the world, they're not hearing from God. And it's because they're not listening to the first thing. They're not willing to submit to that old black book. Just what that? that I think it would be a lot cooler if some witch was talking with my Aunt Gertrude's voice. I think that would be. I think that would be more impressive. You know, I think it'd be better if they went and flipped some cards out. And you know, I don't know how to read those things. I would think you can come up with whatever you want to on that on that kind of stuff. But uh, they're not willing to submit to it. Verse eighteen: Because thou obeyest not the voice of the Lord, you didn't obey the voice of God. You didn't do what He said to do. Why should He talk to you? And I'm here today to say, why should God talk to people that aren't? willing to even look at his book. They're not willing to read it. They have no clue what's in it. I mean, you know, you know, unfortunately, you know, we've got to be a little tactful with people. You know, we need we need to be kind. But sometimes when people are talking about all their problems and things and just wondering why they can't get victory, and then they you know, maybe it's an area that you're victorious in or I'm victorious in and they're struggling in we're following the Bible. They're not following the Bible. And they want to argue about whose way is better. And I just want to ask, have you ever actually read the Bible? Have you ever actually looked at what it said? Sometimes people will quote Bible to me. That's not in the Bible. And I just sometimes like, have you ever actually read your Bible? I don't think you've ever read your Bible. Oh, well, the Lord told me to do this. Are you sure? Because I've got plenty of Scriptures that can say that that's... God would never tell you that. And the truth is, they haven't looked in the book. And if they're not willing to do that, God's not going to speak to them. This is one of the main ways He speaks to us is through His Word. And so, I'm telling you right now, these goofy religions out there, people that are just flocking to this crazy stuff, it's because they're not hearing from God and it's because they don't realize they have a sin problem, they're not willing to repent, they're not willing to submit to the Bible. So God's not going to speak to them. Another thing, a reason, they refuse to have faith. We talked about we talked a lot about faith this morning. Verse 8 says, And Saul disguised himself and put on other raiment, and he went and two men with him. And they came to the woman by night 
And he said, I pray uh, the divine unto me, the familiar spirit, and bring him up whom I shall name unto thee. You know, you know what's going on right here with Saul? He's, he doesn't have faith. He never was very good at showing faith. He was wanting immediate answers. Did you know having faith means you're going to have to have some patience? God doesn't always give immediate answers just like that. Okay, even if you're, and this is even if you're in the next step where you're saved, okay, maybe you're baptized, you're in a church, and there's going to be times where you're looking for answers and it's not going to come immediately. And boy, Brother Angel, the message he preached Tuesday morning was right on the money for that, navigating the zone of silence. What a great message that was. But sometimes you're not going to get immediate answers. And how are we? We want immediate answers, don't we? Well, I remember when I was a kid, I always hated it when I would go to my dad, like, you know, Dad, hey, I, you know, this activity's coming up, or this thing's coming. Hey, can I do this? We'll see. Well, he used to say that all the time; it would drive me crazy. We'll see. No, please, no, Dad, Dad, I, you know, I, I want to know. I want to know. You know, I, I don't know. I'll, we'll see what happens. Just tell me. <laughs> I want to know. You know, please, I, I want an immediate answer. It would just drive me crazy. My kids are the same way. They want immediate answers. Hey, what's what's going on? What are we going to do? Are we going to do this? I don't know yet. And sometimes we have to wait on answers from God. And Saul's tired of waiting. And so he goes to this woman who he knew would give him an immediate answer. And the truth is, there's people out there, they're one answers. And listen, I'm, you know, God will give us answers in His time. And, but people, they don't want to wait. They want something immediate. I'm just going to, I'm going to the fortune teller's place. I'm going to go to the store and I'm going to do one of those little fortune teller machines. I'm going to go to Walmart and buy one of those little eight balls because I've got to have an answer. I've got to find something. You know, people sometimes they'll talk about how you know they were you know struggling with the decision and they had this sign and you know the sign was just some goofy thing they saw. You know, I was wondering if you know I should uh, you know beat this person up and I saw two animals fighting each other. I knew it was a sign. I must I must need to fight them. You know, I was like. No, I don't think that was a sign. I think you just saw two animals fighting with each other. You know, people are always coming up with these signs. You know, my uh, my wife, you know, she's look, looking at me right now and knows where I'm going with this. You know, we drive by that boat uh, every day on Route 30 that's for sale, and I was like, that's a sign. I'm supposed to buy that. <laughs> it's like, no, there's a sign right there. You know, fifteen hundred dollars or best offer. You know, it's a sign. I'm supposed to buy that boat. It's like, no, you just want a boat. <laughs> and the truth is, a lot of times when it comes to signs, we just see what we want to see. We're looking for an immediate answer. Sometimes people will even make up things, you know, like, well, you know, if the Lord does this, you know, I I know I probably shouldn't, you know, beat up my neighbor, but I'm going to look for a sign. If the sun comes up tomorrow, that's a sign I'm supposed to do it. You know, <laughs> sun comes up the next day, well, I'm going to, I'm going to go beat my neighbor up. No, we, we don't. We don't. People are just always looking for something immediate, and then. Another thing that, when it, uh, but with faith, you're going to have to have patience sometimes. You're going to you're going to have to. You might have to wait a while. But another thing too that people like to do is they want to negotiate. Unfortunately, with this Bible, you don't really get to negotiate with it, do you? I mean, it's right there. You know, it drives me crazy in our government how much stuff that they want to debate all the time. It's like, wait, it's in our Constitution. It's pretty simple. You know, I don't have a master's degree in law or anything like that, but I can read, and it's pretty clear that that's illegal in our country. And 
Yet they want to debate these things all the time. They want to argue about it. It will be, you know, a split decision in the Supreme Court, you know, five votes to four. And it's like, how can these people all be reading that so different? You know, it's, and it's pretty clear. It's right there in black and white. Why do we need it? Why do we need to debate it? But people like to do that. They want to negotiate. Well, we're going to have to compromise. But wait, you know, the law says something else. And the Bible, we don't, we don't get to negotiate with the Bible. I don't care how much you talk to it, these words aren't going to change. And I think that's why a lot of people too like coming up with these new translations and things. This King James Bible, it's not changing like with the times. It's not doing what people want to do. So we're going to have to just make up our own. And can't do that. Try to negotiate. In uh, verse 20, it says, Then Saul fell straightway all along on the earth and was sore afraid because of the words of Samuel. And there was no strength in him for he had eaten no bread all that day nor all that night. I personally believe one of the reasons Saul was wanting to talk to Samuel is I think he was planning on, you know, he was hoping to negotiate a little bit. That's what the kings would do all the time when the prophets would come to them and would prophesy to them something they didn't want to hear. They would try to get them to change their mind. And these prophets, they never could convince the kings that I didn't just make this up. Okay, this is what God told me. And people do, they, they want to negotiate. Well, Lord, I know you said this, but. Can you please you know, give me a break here? Can you please change things? And I think with Samuel, we don't see him negotiate here. We don't see him arguing, or Saul, we don't see him arguing with Samuel. And I think it's because Saul knew he was finished. I think he knew that it was too late, that he had gone too far. Here he had once again, he finally got an answer, but it was after doing something horrible again that he was you know, rebuked right there for. And he knew that he was done. And people do. They want they want to negotiate. They don't want to have faith. Well, I know your church... You know, why does your church preach this? Well, because it says so in the Bible. Well, I don't like that. I'm going to go to a church that doesn't. Okay? You know, we don't, we're not supposed to pick and choose what we like from the Bible. We're supposed to do what it says. And that takes faith. And people don't want to have faith. They want something that they can see. They would rather try, for example, when it comes to works, they would rather try to get to heaven by the work of their hands. Apparently, it's a lot easier to believe that you can go to heaven by being a good person, knocking on doors, making people question their religion, then and just you know going to church, then just trusting in Christ, believing by grace through faith. I would think our way would be the easier one. I would think everybody would, after going to any other church in the world, would come here and hear the plan of salvation and say, what was I doing wasting my time over there? I would think everybody would want this, but apparently it's easier to go confess your sins to a priest on a regular basis. Apparently it's easier to go and you know do the sacraments and take the communion and do the confirmations and all those. Apparently that's easier because a lot more people are willing to do that. Some people, I think, I think we could probably get more people in the church if we just made an altar, or not an altar, an aisle, of broken glass and said, all you got to do is come to the altar all the way down that aisle on your knees in the broken glass. And I think we'd have a bunch of scarred up people with scarred up knees and stuff around here, maybe some infections and things. We'd have a lot more people. Because they'd do it. That's just, because that doesn't take faith. 
That's worse. You can look at it. Hey, look, look at that. Look at all that blood that I left behind. I'll bet Jesus is impressed with that. Just like he shed blood, I shed blood. I'm like, I'm like Christ. Who cares what the Bible says that, you know, his blood is what cleanses us from all sins. And it's not by works of righteousness which we have done. They would rather do that because that takes no faith. And people don't want to have faith. Also, they're just not willing to follow that last instruction. Remember what we talked about last Sunday in Revelation 2-5 where Jesus told that church, He said to, he said to go to repent and go and do the first works. They were doing all the other works that God said to do. They were doing, you know, commandments, you know, two through ten. But they weren't doing number one. They, they weren't loving God like they were supposed to. Or if there's a hundred, they were doing two through ninety-nine, but they weren't doing number one. And all of those other things they did, they were no good because they needed to follow the first commandment first. They needed to keep first things first, like we talked about last week. And he said to repent and do the first works. Go back and do the last thing that I told you to do. That is, and that's the most important thing. And we've got to, we've got to learn to do that. We've got to go back and fought when if God stops speaking, we might need to look and say, "Hey, what was the last thing God told me to do? Did I listen to that? Did I obey that?" Because I don't think you're going to get to the next step before you do the first step. I hear people all the time talk about how they've been baptized, and they'll even talk about, "Yeah, hey, you know, would you like to go to heaven?" Yeah, well, I would like to. You know, I've never been baptized before. Hey, we're all for baptism around here. Okay, we're Baptists. We're baptizers. Okay, but if you haven't been saved yet, you can't do the second work without the first. All you will be doing is getting wet. That's it. All all you will do if you're not saved and you get baptized will be getting wet. If you join our church after you get wet, all it's it's not accomplishing anything. You're not a part of the church that's the bride of Christ because you're not saved. You're not. I mean, you can go and you can become a Sunday school teacher. You can become the pastor of the church. You can become a missionary, whatever. But if you haven't done the first thing, none of that other stuff's going to do you a bit of good. You might even lead somebody to Christ, but you're not going to be rewarded for that in heaven because you're not going to be there. You've got to do the first thing. And many times, what people need to do if they're going to get answers from God, they've got to go back and do the last thing that He told them to do. And and if it's too late, then you need to repent of it. You need to get it right. It was probably too late for Saul. It was too late for Saul to undo what he had done, but he could have repented. He could have tried to get it right. He could have begged for forgiveness, but he didn't. And then third reason people seem to be willing to listen to anything but the Bible is they're just hoping they're going to hear something that they like better. I really don't like what the Bible says about that. I don't like what the Bible says about homosexuality. I don't like what it says about adultery. I don't like what it says about holy living. I don't like that. Let's go to this other church and find out what they're saying. Listen, I would love to hear somebody say, you know, one of these days when they're coming to the church that, you know, hey, we're just we're trying to find a church that's closer to the Bible, and we're going to go. Uh, we, we like your church and everything, but we're going to go see if we can find one that's closer to the Bible. I wish that would be the reason people go, because I would I like to think that they'd all be back. But you know, nobody even says that. We want to go find a church that agrees with what we believe. 
I've heard that a lot. Not a church that agrees the most with the Bible. I want to find a church that agrees the most with what I believe. Bad idea. I think Saul. I think Saul probably knew that just that silence was really, in a lot of ways, an answer. The Lord's not with me in this battle. He's not answering me. I'm probably in big trouble. I think. I think that in it, the God's silence was an answer in and of itself, right there. And Saul didn't like that answer. And so maybe, just maybe, if I can get a witch to call up Samuel, I'll hear something I like better. But he didn't. He heard something. He heard something that he liked a whole lot less. And but many people, what they do is they surround themselves with people who are going to tell them what they want to hear. Go to First Kings chapter twenty-two. First Kings chapter twenty-two. I'm not. I'm not going to read this whole story, but I challenge you to read this whole chapter. It's just. It's a joke what's going on here. It reminds me of our political system in a lot of ways. Just all the yes men that are all over the place. But it says in Jehoshaphat, who Jehoshaphat, he was the king of Judah. He was a good king for the most part, but he kept bad company. Okay, And he's keeping company now with Ahab, the most wicked king that Israel ever had, probably. And he said unto the king of Israel, inquire, I pray thee, at the word of the Lord today. Let's find out if God's in this battle that we're getting ready to fight. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 men, and said unto them, Shall I go up against Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall I forbear? And they said, Go up, for the Lord shall deliver it. And in the hand of the king, 400 prophets. They're all agreeing. They're all saying, Go up, the Lord's with me. I mean, one of these guys, he went and he put on a big show, and he got these horns out, and he's like, you know, and he pushes something with it, and you know, you're, this is what you're going symbolic of what you're going to do. I mean, God's in this boy. I mean, all these preachers, they all got together. I mean, they had everybody there. They had the Methodists, the Presbyterians, the Episcopalians, the Assembly of God. They were all there. You know, just everybody's there was probably all the prophets, just the prophets of Baal and stuff. But they're all in agreement. They're all having a good time, and boy, you know, Ahab, he's thinking, man, this is great. Listen to what all my prophets are saying. But Jehoshaphat, he knew a little better. He knew that none of these were really prophets of God. And so he said, is there a prophet of the Lord? And uh, the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, there is yet one man, Micaiah, the son of Emla, by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. For he doth not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, let the king not say so. And so you go through and you read that story. I, I love it. Micaiah comes. He's the Baptist preacher. I know they didn't have Baptists back then, but I like to think of him that way. And everybody else is all getting together. They're all joining up. I mean, every one of these prophets—they'd all been at one of you know Billy Graham's ecumenical things that they do, where everybody all comes together. And all—I mean, they'd all been there and gotten along great. But then that one stubborn Baptist that never would show up at any of the you know pastor fellowships with all the other religions, where they all try to find what they have in common. He shows up and they pretty much tell him what to say. And so he does. He tells them, hey, yeah, go up against them. You're going to be fine. And I think it's when you read it, it's clear that he's being sarcastic. He's just acting like all these other guys. And Ahab knew what he was doing. Ahab knew that he's being smart with them. And then uh, finally he goes and he tells them the truth. He tells him, 
Uh, you're not going to make it. Ahab, you're not coming out of this thing alive. You're going to die. The Lord's not with you. And boy, they got mad. They went and they smote him in the face. They got angry at him. And sure enough, I mean, he just went and spoiled their whole party. That one prophet. Because they knew that that was from God. And it wasn't what they wanted to hear. They were hoping to hear something they liked. And people do. They surround themselves with people who are going to tell them what they want to hear. Hey, I like what they're telling me over at that church. That one church, every time I go there, boy, they preach on all my sin and I get convicted and I feel bad. But over there, they just, they just talk about love. They just talk about, you know, how much God loves me and how great I am. And boy, that preacher, he never yells. He just smiles all the time and I just feel so good over there. And then, and you live like a heathen all week, you ought to feel bad. If they're making you feel good, something's wrong. And, that's what they wanted to hear. That's what people do today. They surround themselves with people that always agree with them. And then what we need to do is be like Micaiah though. We've got to ignore what the masses are saying and rely totally on the Word of God and nothing else. Because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 11, it says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel. For Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose ends shall be according to their works. We shouldn't be surprised at how nice looking some of these false prophets are out there and some of these preachers and how I mean, just charismatic they are and how slick they are. And the fact that they're deceiving people, that shouldn't be, don't marvel, don't be surprised by that. I mean, who cares how big their smile is? Hey, Satan's smart. Okay, he can be transformed and an angel of light. He's not going to show up with horns and a pointed tail and a pitchfork. Okay, he's not going to do that. He's smarter than that. He's going to be an angel of light. And Satan, he'll do whatever he has to. He might speak through a watermark on a wall that looks like Jesus or Mary. And boy, people will. A watermark. On a wall that looks like Mary. And boy, those Catholic folks, they'll go there and they'll all want to touch it. They'll line up and pray to it and they'll light candles at it. And I mean, they'll travel far to see a watermark that looks like Mary. Hey, listen, I don't, I don't think Satan, I think Satan could probably do stuff like that. I think he might be able to make a statue shed a tear. I think he could probably do that. Because people, and people will listen to that. It's a sign. We're supposed to give all our money you know, to, the, to the church because Mary shed a tear in the statue. People, they're looking for answers in crazy places. He might speak in the form of a preacher talking about Jesus, smiling real big, acting real nice. Or he may even speak through a book that looks like a Bible and is even called a Bible. Don't be surprised by that. I don't believe Satan's biggest tool is the Satanic Bible. I don't, I don't know that Satan was in on that at all. But I do believe he's in on the other perversions that are out there because that's doing a lot more harm than the Satan Bible is. Okay? I, I, I believe that with all my heart. And people, though, they're just hoping that they're going to hear something that they're like, better. I'm holding out for something better. Well, if you're holding out for something better than this, you're in big trouble. Because there's nothing out there that's better than this. And people 
are always going to do it. They've been doing it since the beginning of time. They're going to be doing it to the end of time. They are going to follow crazy things. Jesus said, uh, I didn't write the verse down, but He talked about talking about how they weren't receiving. He said, if another come in My name, him will ye receive. I believe He was talking about the Antichrist there. Because they didn't. The Jews didn't listen to Him. But when the Antichrist comes, they are going to listen to Him. Why would you listen to the Antichrist over Jesus? Why? Because they like what the Antichrist is saying better than Jesus. They didn't like what Jesus was saying. And therefore, they were deceived. And it's not that people are stupid. It's just they're not hearing from God because they've rejected the gift of salvation. They've refused faith. They're hoping they're just going to hear something they like better. And until people are willing to start trusting in this book and willing to get saved, these crazy cults and churches and things are always going to be full and always going to be reaching many people. And we need to pray that we can be an example of them and we can reach them with the Gospel before it's too late. So with that, let's stand together. Heads bowed, eyes closed.